Wow, what a, what a wonderful morning this morning. It's for first and foremost, it's good to be in the house of the Lord and to see the house full of people. And uh, what a blessing that is. We are continuing our journey through the book of 1 John today. Last Sunday we saw where uh, John encouraged Christians to walk in the light and to stay in that light of Christ instead of treading into the darkness. And uh, the main message he was trying to send in that chapter was that we need to be authentic in our Christian walk if we want to give other people a clear picture of what Jesus Christ is and, and what that means to follow Christ. And while he was encouraging us in that way, he's also reassuring us that if we repent of our sins and our shortcomings and our failures, that Christ is faithful to Forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. And now as we begin this second chapter, he actually, John actually kind of begins in the same way um, in talking about those things. Uh, we heard some of those verses earlier when Bob read them for us. Um, and if you're not all, already there, I would invite you to turn with me to the second chapter of 1 John, very back of your Bible. And as this second chapter uh, goes on, John begins to write about the end of the world. And he talks about how we as Christians need to be prepared for those people, those things, those desires that tend to lead us astray in life and away from the will of God. And so let's finish reading chapter 2 here, uh, beginning with verse 12. It says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because... You do not know the truth because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, <clears throat> see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. 
I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And then finally, the last couple verses. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. It feels like uh, we have heard a lot in the past several years about attacks from the pandemic and that whole attack of a virus to political attacks to violent attacks in our cities, to the most recent attack or war that's in the news between uh, Russia and Ukraine. And so, you know, when you hear that word attacked, what usually, you know, comes to your mind? Think about that for a moment. If you hear the word attack, what would be the first thing that would, would pop into your mind? I don't know, maybe you think of like a national attack, like Pearl Harbor was, or perhaps 9-11 more recently. Maybe you thought about a personal attack that someone had on you or your family. But I would imagine that very few of us would think first and foremost about the church of Jesus Christ being under attack. Part of that's probably because we live in a free country. You know, we don't have to worry about being arrested or or thrown in jail for gathering here to worship today like this. Some people around the world do. In fact, I, I, I heard just this week a story about a woman in Nigeria, Africa, just in the last two weeks, where she was beaten and stoned and burned alive because... Of her Christian faith. Those things still happen today. Even though we'd like to think that they don't. But as we read this second chapter of 1 John. There seems to to be an underlying theme here to what John is saying. And that theme is that the church is under attack. And the church may not even be aware of it. He doesn't spell it out, you know, in those exact words, but he talks about how we need to love each other instead of creating strife. He talks about the danger of loving the world and the things of this world. He even talks about the Antichrist at work in the world right now. Really, John's trying to raise that awareness with us that the light of Christ that we spoke of last Sunday is always being threatened by the prince of darkness in this world. The spirit of the Antichrist is always trying to undermine the love of Christ 
that should be found in the church and in and among the people of the church. Satan is on the prowl. That's another way that John could say what he's trying to say here. And if we realize that, then we who are the church, we can take precautions. We can do things to protect ourselves from those attacks. And naturally, that is what we should be doing, of course. But it may look a little different than the way that the world protects, protects themselves. I remember seeing those pictures from back in the day when uh, school children would get under their desks to uh, practice what they would do if there was a nuclear attack from Russia. Um, I'm not really sure how that was going to help, <laughs> but um, maybe it made some people feel better. I don't know. Uh, since that time, of course, our, our country has gone through things like 9-11 attacks and we've created these, these color-coded terror alert things that, that tell us how, um, you know, attacked we should feel at a certain time or, or so on. Even the past uh, several years here, our world has gone to great measures, of course, to try to protect ourselves from, from COVID-19 and, and the pandemic. And that's maybe a way to think about these warnings from John. Even in the early days of the Christian church, there were threats of false doctrine, of, of idol worship, of wrong priorities, and, and you know, other things that were affecting or attacking the church of Jesus Christ. And whether you live in a free or a persecuted country, those attacks are still real. And they are still relevant for us to be aware of. I don't think I have to tell you that in many ways our culture has recently been attacked uh, or been attacking many of the long-held biblical truths that Christians have believed in since the beginning of time. And so we need to be aware of those. And we need to stand firm. But most of all, we need to stand firm in the love and the strength of Jesus Christ. I love that verse in Micah 6.8 that says, Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Of course, as you heard, that's on the, as you've seen, that's on the front of our bulletins this morning. And that was great to hear Kari read uh, that in Spanish for us this morning. What a beautiful language Spanish is. I could just, I love listening to it. It's, it's a wonderful language. So thank you for that, Kari. In Ephesians uh, 6, 10 through 12, it says, Be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power. And then it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. But here's an important part. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
You see, those, those struggles happen in our churches. They happen in our families. And they even happen in our individual lives as well. But we are not defenseless as Christians and as believers. God has given us many ways to defend against these attacks. And, and John is proclaiming that in what he writes here. He's really <clears throat> saying that our first, that first and foremost, we need to get this concept of first love active in our lives. First love is loving the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all of your mind. I was down with the primary children this morning and the children were singing that. And I was thinking, that's something we need to get in our hearts and get in our minds and remember from day to day. Loving the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Verses 1 through 8 of this pass, uh, of this 1 John 2 encourage us to put Christ in the rightful place in our lives. In verse 1 it says that Jesus will speak to the Father in your defense and in my defense. So you see we're not facing these attacks in our world alone. But what appears to be happening in the churches of this day, of John, continues to happen in our churches today. You see, they and we today too often do not rely on God's help. Or we do not rely on God's armor to, to protect us from the enemy. And instead, we, we try to rely on earthly forms of protection. Bomb shelters, airport security, home security systems, and all kinds of weapons. I mean, those things won't do us much good when it's the spirit of darkness that is at work. I mean, those things will help provide for us physical protection, probably. But they can't do much for us when there is a spiritual attack. On you or your family. In the book of Ephesians, it lists what some of those spiritual protections are that, that we have. Truth is one of them. Righteousness is another one. Readiness to share the gospel of peace is one of them. The shield of faith, the, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which of course is the word of God. And it's interesting how, how Paul ends that, that chapter. He says, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. What is our first love? Or maybe, better said, who is our first love? In verse 5 and 6, John says, this is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So if Jesus is truly our first love, then that's going to be our desire. That's going to be our passion. 
That's going to be our goal in life. The next area of love that John brings up is love for each other. Verses 9 and 10, he says, Anyone who claims to be in the light, in Jesus, in the light of Jesus, but hates a brother or sister, is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them that to make them stumble. You know, there, <clears throat> there's nothing more pleasing to Satan and the powers of darkness than when we, as Christian brothers and sisters, work against each other and create our own attacks on one another. We make it way too easy on them sometimes. John is saying that we should look after one another, that we should support one another, and not allow petty agreements or disagreements to keep our light from shining. In fact, in verse 11, he refers to that, and he says, But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They don't, they don't know where they're going, he says. Because the darkness has blinded them. Let's think about that in our lives this morning. And you know, hate, the word hate is a pretty strong word. I don't like to use it very often because of its connotation and what it means. But that word's here and it really jumps out at us. What John is saying is that we should be working together as the body of Christ. Not working against each other. I mean, we've all been there at one time or another. You know, we're all human. But you see, when our first love is in its right place, then we are drawn to, to the example of Jesus. And what Jesus says about forgiveness and reconciliation and grace and love and peace and, and all of those things. So the question for us this morning is, are we working together as we need to be? Are we a community of reconciliation? And I think those questions need to be asked of the larger church as well. Not only individual churches, but the larger church. Because that, you know, that communal love and care for each other is going to help us thwart the attacks of Satan. Because we're always looking out for one another. It's like the two brothers who worked together uh, on the family farm. One of them was married and, and had a large family. <clears throat> Excuse me. The other brother was single. And uh, at the day's end, the, the brothers, you know, they had decided they were, they were going to share everything equally. Their produce and their profit and, and all of that. And then one day the single brother said to himself, you know, it's not right that we should share the profit and produce equally. Uh, he said, I'm alone and, you know, my needs are pretty basic. And so each night he would take a sack of grain and he would go over uh, from his bin and he would take some across 
the field between their houses and he would dump some into his brother's bin. Well, meanwhile, the married brother was thinking to himself, you know, it's not right that we should share the produce and profit equally. He thought, because I'm married, I have a wife, I have my children who can look after me in the years to come, and my brother doesn't have any of that. He doesn't have anyone maybe to take care of him in the future like I do. And so each night he took a grain of sack, uh, a sack of grain over and he dumped it into his single brother's bin. And so, you know, both of them were puzzled for years uh, about how their supply of grain never dwindled. And then one dark night, the two brothers happened to get there at the same exact time. They stumbled into each other. And it dawned on them what had been happening. They dropped their sacks and they embraced one another. That's the kind of protective love that John is encouraging us to live in. The example for that kind of love, of course, comes from Jesus. And when we live that way, our light truly does shine to those around us. We remember what chapter 1 said last week. It said, if we walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And that fellowship gets noticed by people. <clears throat> well, finally, John has a final reference here to love. And it's actually one to, that we should be aware of. Do not love the world. And I don't, <clears throat> I don't think it's a coincidence that right after verses 15 through 17, he goes on to talk about the Antichrist and the end of the world. In verse 18, it says, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. And you know, we know from John's book of Revelation that, that a single Antichrist will rise up in the last days. But we also know from, from verses like this and other places in Scripture that the spirit of the Antichrist is at work in our world today already. And much of their attack is really aimed at drawing us to love the world more than we love Jesus, more than we love God. Because if we love the things of this world, you see, it pulls us away from our first love. And it pulls us away from each other as well. So what are the things of this world? John puts them into two simple categories in verse 16. Uh, what we have and what we do. Now, you know, not all of those things are evil or, or worldly by themselves. But when we begin to value them in boastful ways, then it once again takes us away from our first love. Verse 15 says, if anyone loves the world, love of the Father, the love of the Father is not in them. There's another pretty direct statement or verse. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't enjoy life and the blessings that, that God has given to us. <clears throat> but it is a reminder 
It's a reminder that we need to keep everything in perspective. Because the minute that we lose perspective, the minute that we start to claim our fame or, or our possessions, the enemy is there and waiting to take credit for it. And Satan will try to get us to put our hope and our trust in wealth and, and things of this world instead of in Jesus. John Wesley once said, anything that cools my love for Christ, that's the world. It's a great way to think about these verses. And you know, sometimes when we go through a difficult time in our, our life, that is really when our first love gets reignited in our life. You know, we feel attacked and, and so our priorities, they all of a sudden change. And our first love in Jesus should always be our first defense. So that it's there when the world tries to attack us and bring us into those things that we shouldn't be involved with. So we need to remember that when we are out there. We need to remember that when we are online. Today that is another way that we can be attacked or we can attack others. And we need to remember this when our disagreements arise among us. The power and the powers of darkness will never let up. But we will not be overcome. John assures us that the love of God will conquer in all of those attacks. Verse 27, he says, the anointing you received from him remains in you. So, Jesus will not abandon us. He will not abandon you even in your greatest hour, your greatest time of need. You see the communities and the churches that sent this letter around when John sent it to them. They sent it around to each other. Uh, they were going through many of these attacks. And some things never change. And so John wrote these words to encourage them. And I believe that his encouragement is for us today. And he is saying that we need to be rooted in the love of Jesus Christ. And the truth of his life which is often referred to as our first love. So hopefully we, as believers, we can give the world a clear picture um, of what it looks like to believe in Jesus, to trust in Jesus, and to be delivered from the powers of darkness in this world. So no matter what it is that you are facing in your life, what attack you might be facing right now, you can rest in this promise of verse 8 that we have here. It says, the darkness, it's passing. The true light is already shining. It's there for us. We need to take hold of it. We need to make sure it's shining in our lives and protecting us from all of the schemes of Satan in this world. Amen? Let's stand together and, and let's pray together and ask the Lord to make our love for him our first love and to protect us and be our first and only defense to these attacks. Lord, we thank you for uh, <clears throat> your word. We thank you for the encouragement and the reminders from your word that in this world you will be there for us. You have given us the truth. You have given us the light of Jesus to shine in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that it would shine. 
that it would not only protect us from the evil schemes of Satan and, and the powers of darkness in this world, but we pray that it would shine in our life, that we might have the opportunity to share with others the love of Jesus, who is our first love, that it may shine in the things that we do and say, whether it be to people or on the internet. Help us to always think about how we are coming across and if we claim to be a believer and follower of Jesus, does our example say that to other people? Does it bring light into a dark world? Lord, I pray that you'd be with each person, each family here this morning. Uh, whatever is going on in their life, I pray that you'd protect them. Uh, I pray that you'd protect us all from the many things in this world that try to attack our faith. And uh, we pray that we would put on your spiritual protection that you have offered to us. Bless each one as we go out from here today and be near to each one. And may the peace of Jesus reign in our lives. And all God's people said, amen. 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 I'll be at the front if anybody wants to pray about anything in your life.